Hey, it's so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online, and we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Morning, church. So, obviously, Christmas is a time when relatives often come to stay that you don't see very often, and that was the case for us this year. My aunt and uncle came over from Bristol for Christmas, and it was lovely. And um, they were discussing the logistics of getting my grandparents to church on Christmas morning because my grandparents are quite frail and they need a lot of support and things. And in the course of discussing that, all of a sudden my aunt just sits there and starts talking about how I don't understand how anybody can have a faith or believe in God. I don't, I don't believe in God at all. And I was like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm sat here in the middle of this conversation. I can't not say anything. And usually when these conversations come up, I am absolutely terrified, principally because I just, I, I don't want to mess these opportunities up because it's like this is a, this is a time for me to, to witness and I want to make sure I say the right thing. And I don't know how we got onto the topic, but we got onto the topic of like the Trinity and I just, uh, I, the whole time I was like, Lord help me, literally Lord help me because I don't know how I'm going to, but in the end I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, just speak the words I give you, it's not your responsibility to make them understand what you're saying, you just have to impart the information and I'll do the rest and I guess that's my encouragement to you all this morning is that if you ever find yourself in those situations where you are given the opportunity to witness, the, the act of witnessing in and of itself, that is the seed, that is the, the beginning and God will do the rest. So just don't, don't worry about it and just take the opportunity as best you can. That's it really. We thank you that you are faithful. Thank you, Father, that you are here. Lord, when we open our mouths, we may not necessarily have the words to say, but we know that you will give us wisdom if we ask for it. You don't find fault, but you'll give it to us. So, Father, help us <coughs> to be faithful. Help us, Father, to look out for opportunities where we can share. Sometimes it might just be our actions because at the end of the day, actions speak louder than words. But Father, I thank you that you are with us. Thank you, Father, that you are faithful and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, band. Thank you all. I thank you that you are with Richard. I thank you, Father, that as we look into your word and how to study your word, that you will make things clear, and I thank you, Father, that mm. you will help us to know more, to understand you more, to love you more. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning, church. Happy New Year. How's everyone? Give someone a high five next to you and say, you look amazing today.
I just want to start off this morning by um, just thanking everybody for, you know, your support. I want to thank all of our core leaders, our trustees, our life group leaders, all who serve, the welcome team, people on the cafe, who are grateful for the people on the welcome team. How many of you? Yeah, come on. How many of you have been to churches where you've not felt welcome? I've been to churches like that, sadly. Uh, thank you. And the cafe. Who loves the cafe? We like cakes and stuff afterwards, don't we? Thank you for the setup teams, the uh, production team, the band, children's and youth workers. Let's believe, I'm believing for 2024 that there's going to be breakthrough in your lives. Whatever you're needing and wanting from God, desiring from God this year, let's believe that God is going to come up and, and bring breakthrough in your life, spiritually, physically, socially emotionally, relationally, and financially, that God wants to bless each and every one of us. I'm going to pray. Let's do that. And then we're going to go on to our subject and start this how to study the Bible. Father God, I thank you. I just stand here as the under-shepherd to the good shepherd. I thank you, Father God. You are a God who leads us. Thank you. You lead us by quiet waters, still waters. You lead us, to, lead us to green pastures, Father God, that you go before us. And goodness and mercy, the Bible says, will follow us all the days of our lives. What a wonderful promise from your word, Father God. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it is life. Your words are spirit and they are life. I thank you, Lord, when we believe them and apply them in our lives, that they bring fruit, they bring transformation, and minds are transformed by the word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is like incorruptible seed that goes into the heart, which is the soil. And I believe for a harvest this coming year in 2024, of people really growing in the things of God, people panting after God, desiring God, running after him, chasing him, pursuing him. The Bible says, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. The onus is on us. The proximity to God, to God in our lives isn't down to God. It is really down to us to draw closer. And I thank you, Lord, as this world is getting darker, that we need to shine our lights brighter and love a lost, dying, and broken world. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for every person here. Thank you for the people that couldn't make it today, that aren't well, that are at home recovering. We just pray your healing power to touch them now as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got this subject that we're going to look at, how to study the Bible. How many of us have been taught how to study the Bible? Can I just see your hands? That's great. That's fantastic. That's really good. Why study the Bible? Why should we study the Bible? Any idea? Just shout out to me. It's the Word of God, yeah, but why should we study it? Sorry? Shows you how to live. Anything else? Okay, let's... God is revealed in it, exactly. It's the best way to get to know God. If you're looking at the screen there, you can give an account to others about what you believe and why you believe, just like Kyle. You know, when you get put in those scary situations, we've just got to trust God, that he's just going to speak to our hearts and give a, an answer. I'm sure you did well, Carl. That's brilliant. It will strengthen your faith. It promotes spiritual growth. Strong Christians make strong churches, strong communities. 
You know, my personal encouragement to everyone is to not only to read your Bible daily, but to engage in deeper study. You know, reading our Bibles is one thing. Understanding our Bibles is another. And reading our Bible and studying our Bible, I think they're two different things. I'd encourage you to read your Bibles daily. That's a good practice. But also to study them as well. Can we think of any reasons why people have never learned to study the Bible? Just shout them out to me. Any reasons why you think people don't study their Bible? Knowing where to start, great answer. Next. Because it's big. <laughs> it's big. I've got a new study Bible. Someone blessed me with a new study Bible. I've, Esther and I have sewn lots of Bibles to lots of people. When we marry couples, we give them a, a, Bibles, a, a couple's Bible as well. Because we, we think the Word of God is the most important thing in their life. And I think it's good. I got blessed with a new study Bible. My old one is just, I got the loose leaf edition. It's all fallen apart. (laughs) It has all fallen apart. So I was really blessed to get that. So give me some other reasons. Hard to understand. understand. Great answer. Anyone else's side? Daily motivation. motivation? Great answer. Sorry? Too many. Oh, that's interesting. Too many translations. Why do we have so many? That's a question we'll probably ask. This side? People's lives are busy, they don't have time. Great answer. <laughs> you know what, I. It's fantastic. They're great answers, aren't they? Uh, let's have a look. I don't know how. It's too difficult. It's boring. I don't know where to start. Where do we start? A lot of people just don't know where to start. I've not been taught. Anyone tried the lucky dip method? <laughs> I know you, you have. I have. You know, what is it? You sort of get your Bible and you say, I don't know where. Who else? Come on, who will admit? Loads of people, yeah. So you should get your Bible and you say, I know what I'll do. I'll just open the Bible and I'll do what it says. So I'll just go out that randomly. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, Abraham went to sacrifice his son. Oh, no, I don't, I don't like that bit. Hang on, let's just try another one. You go and do the same. Oh, I don't like that either. That's the lucky dip method. And it's true, isn't it? It's, uh, I think it for me, I don't know about you, John, and others that have been in full-time ministry, it's a lifetime thing to study. You know, I want to learn more about God, and the way I do that is to study my Bible. And this is what this, these basic uh, couple of teachings that I'm going to share over the next few weeks are all about. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philemon. We're going to have a look through that, and we're going to go through this. Over the next few weeks, we're going to have a look at some things. I'm just going to lay a foundation If you don't know where Philemon is, it's near uh, Hebrews, just there. And I'm going to have a look at five thoughts today. We'll do as many as we can in the time that I have. So these are the five thoughts I want us to, to look at. There we go. Find a translation you understand. 
You know, when I first got saved, I read the, the King James Version. Who started with the King James The these and the thous. And it can be quite, you know, these and thous and quite tricky, can't it? Find a translation you understand. And there are gazillions of translations, aren't there? Where do you, where do you find the right translation for you? Pick a time and a place and plan to study. You need to find a quiet place if you can. I heard of a mother, I can't remember what the story was, a mother who was, had, I don't know, lots of kids and really never had time for God. But the kids knew when she put her apron over her head that she was spending time with God at that time. The kids just knew to be quiet. And I know in our lives, lives are very busy, aren't they? We've got children, maybe grandchildren, we've got jobs, we've got a household to look after. Time is, what time do we have in our lives? Not, not a lot of time. So try and pick a time and a place to study. Understand the context. We'll have a look at that as well. Read slowly, ask questions of the text, and then pray for God to speak to us and apply what we learn. You know, I, I knew of a, a, a pastor in America. He came to our church in South Africa, and he said he would read, I don't know how many chapters a day. And I thought, gee, I feel bad that I don't read that many. You know, it was 10 chapters or something a day this guy would read. I said, God, I don't read as much as that. It's not about quantity. It really is about quality. And what we do do when we do look at our Bibles, we can look at our Bibles and think, I've got to read my Bible today, so I'm just going to read that. You read a few verses and then you put it down and then you go off on your day and you don't really absorb what's in there. You don't study it to the point where you think, what is this all about? Who wrote this? Who, who was it written to? What's this story about? Does it apply to me? How can a, a book that was written 2,000 years ago or thereabouts be relevant to me today? I believe it can be just as relevant to us today because the Bible says that the Word of God is living. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. Heaven and earth will pass away. This is how important the Word of God is. But my Word will what? Last forever. God honors his word above his name. Isn't that amazing? And, and, you know, we have the freedom to have as many Bibles as we want. I've got quite a few Bibles sitting in my office. And they're no good just sitting in the office. That's why we have them. We're so blessed. You know, people died to give us the gospel. Years ago, people just sat in a church and they were told and just believed what they were told. Don't believe a word everybody says. Study for yourself. Are you there at Philemon yet? Okay. This might confuse you just for a second, but just bear with me. Is that all right? Okay. We're going to start in verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints, I know Mark would enjoy this, the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore thou I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Who understands that? That's crazy, isn't it? That's the King James Version. So thought number one. If you're making notes, take this down. Thought number one. Choose a translation you understand. People ask, and someone did, why so many translations? You know, the simplest, there's some lot of theological answers to that, but the simplest for me is they make the Bible easier to understand. My daily reading, I've got a, a new living, which a dear friend gave me, and you know, that's also becoming the, the loose leaf edition, because I read that during the day. 
That, that's my go-to. I sometimes drop it on the floor. And I do that intentionally just so that you'd say, oh, shame. You know, the Bible is written in three basic languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and, he, and uh, Greek. And how many of us know that languages change over time? Who knows when the, the King James Version was written? Can anyone give me the year? Say again? 1611. Very good, Julie. That's amazing. But language changes over time. How many of you know that? I think language changes every day. Doesn't it? You hung around young people lately. What about... Well, hang on. I'm, I'm from Luton, so that's not far from London. So you know a bit of Cockney rhyming slang. Anyone know any Cockney rhyming slang? Come on, anyone from London got some Cockney rhyming slang for me? Apples and pears, what's that? Stairs, anything else? Hang on, dog and bone, who said that? What's that? It's a phone. Next one? Skin and blister. Sister, another one? China, hello China. China plate, mate, is that right? Anything else? No one's going to say, no one is going to say trouble and strife, eh? Be steady now. Steady. Let's be nice to one another. What, what about modern slang? You're not going to believe it. And I'm glad the young people are here because I'm, you know, I'm like one of them. <laughs> I can get down with it, man. All right, look at, look at this. Can you see that? Slay. To do something well. I've slayed it, man. Bet. Yeah, it's okay. It's on. What about this one? Vibing. Vibing, a generic positive feeling someone has about something. How are you? Yeah, I'm vibing today, man. Oh, I love this one. Stan. What's Stan mean? Supporting something. I'm standing with you, bro. Bit sus, I'm a bit suspicious. Slaps, something's really good. I mean, a slap is a clap around the head, isn't it, really? T, look at that. Gossip, akas, spilling the tea. So if you're having tea, you're probably gossiping. Okay, let's go back to that verse again. Interesting, language, you know, you get these kids say things and you say, what, what are they saying? What are they talking about? So if you want to be hip, hang around some young people and start chatting to them. That's good, isn't it? Okay, Philippians 1, 7, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. People back in the day thought that humans felt emotions deep within their bowels. That they thought that was the center of their being. We would say today, we feel emotion in our hearts. That's what that means. So modern translations would take the word and translate it into a language we would use today based on the original intent. So if you read the old King James Version, you've got all the these and thous and all those other things in it. If you've got something like the New Living... It just explains things a little easier. The Message Bible is also good. I like the Passion Translation as well. So when I study, I always study with the King, New King James Version. That's when I study. I've got something called Bible Gateway. You click on Bible Gateway, go online, pick on Bible Gateway, and there's loads of different translations. So when I do my message, I just cut and paste and put, some, put the scriptures in my notes, and I highlight them in red. So... You know, the colors on my notes are black, red, and all sorts of things. Okay, let's see this in a modern translation. Let's have a look at that. 
It says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Isn't it good to hang around people that refresh your heart? When you're with them and you're just talking and then you get the God speak if you're hanging around with Christians and then you start talking about the things that God is doing in your life the things that God is doing in others' lives and so on, you can come away from meetings like that feeling really pumped, really refreshed and thinking, God, just had a time with a brother and he's really refreshed my heart. And that's what we're meant to do as Christians. We're meant to be around people that refresh our hearts. That's why it's important, guys, to be in a life group. One, you can, we can care for you better if you're in a life group. Two, you can enjoy fellowship with other believers midweek. I belong to a couple of groups, and I love the groups that I go to because they're very different. And when I come away from them, I feel really lifted. See, that's another thing about the gospel. It can lift us. God's word can encourage us and strengthen us to carry on in the week. I can't go from week to week without getting involved in a life group. It's really, really important. And the other thing about life group, it makes you accountable to other people, which I think is really good. I think that's really positive. Tell the person next to you, because you're very quiet, it's really good to be in a life group. Make sure you get involved in one. So this, so this verse that we just read, right? This verse we just read, come on, settle down now, people. I want to be like that lady in Mark's uh, thingy. Get you all scared of me. No, that's not right, is it? Shouldn't be scared of people or intimidated by people. Is that right? So this verse takes on a whole meaning, a whole different meaning, doesn't it, when you read it in another translation? Okay, if there were so many Bible translations, which one would you choose? You just go ahead and, like I say, go on Bible Gateway and look through some of the translations, compare some verses with other translations just to see if the words change slightly, and they will. Like I say, when I prepare a sermon, I look at the New King James, sometimes the NLT, the Amplified, the Message, or, or the Passion. So, everyday reading, I use my New Living Translation. So, thought number one, what is it? Choose a translation you understand. Thought number two, pick a time and place and plan to study. Have a consistent time and place to study. Even if you can only get 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Because one of the questions we asked, or one of the answers you gave back was, we don't have time. How many of us, and again, I'm not getting on your case because I look at my phone quite a lot. How many of us have got a smartphone? How many of us realize when you, when you use your smartphone, it can tell you how long you've been on it? For every, you know, I look at mine and say, never. I haven't been on it that long. That's just not right. But that might be my Bible reading because first thing in the morning, I, when I wake up, I go downstairs, I make the tea early in the morning. Then Esther and I sit in bed, add the tea. First thing I do is get my Bible, my, what, my what's that app? The, the Bible app. Which one is it? You version. I go straight to the Word of God. That's the first thing I do. I get that in my head. And then we drink tea and get on with our day, and then I do study and stuff. So that's what I do. So what, what kind of translation is good for you? Just go and have a look and compare these things one to the other, and then find a quiet place to study. So I'm sure if you look at your phone for half an hour a day, I'm sure that you could put your, get it into your Bible app and spend half an hour studying the Word of God. 
Is that true? I'm not getting on your case. I'm getting on my case as well. I think it's true for all of us. I think we need to be better with our time. Not, people aren't very good with you know, managing their time very well. And you're right. There's not much time, especially when you have got a family, when you have got children, and you've got big responsibilities. And work is tough. I mean, teachers that work, you know, teaching, the teaching profession, the nursing profession... You know, people have got tough jobs. We've got tough lives. And we do understand that. But let's really take some time out and plan our days better so that we can spend time before God. Where if I put God in the first part of my day, again, I feel just so pumped up, so encouraged, so built up. You know, when, when David uh, was out in Ziklag, uh, these people came and took all the women and children and the, David's friends wanted to stone him. Who'd like friends like that? Want to kill him? Who'd like friends like that? But what did David do? Do you know what your Bible says? It says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. When you feel discouraged, there are times when I feel discouraged. What do I do? <laughs> oh, no, one's, no one's talking to me. I feel really discouraged. No, I don't do that. I go straight to my Bible. That's the first thing that I do. I get into the word of God because there's life in there. I feel built up and pumped up. I'm glad, so glad you're happy this morning. That's really good. <clears throat> the method, method. some like a paper Bible. Who likes a paper Bible? I do love a paper Bible. Uh, buy yourself a good study Bible like mine. And I'm going to show it to a couple of people. You can have a look at it if you like. I just wanted to turn to the book that we're actually reading from. is Philemon. And at the very start of the... The chapter, it will explain everything in there. It tells you the background, who wrote it, who it was written to, the themes, key words, the occasion, the date it was written, the purpose, the characteristics, the content, personal application. I mean, look at that. Just, just have a look through that. And it's got lovely things at the bottom. It highlights words from the English to the Greek. It's really, really good. You can really get a, a better understanding than with the, the Bible that just has got the words in it. Okay, you could go through the, a book of the Bible or use a devotional like the Word for Today. You could use the Version Bible app that has study guides in it. There's loads of study. You want to have a look there. You fear, you're fearful. Press fear and it will give you a Bible study on fear. Okay, so it's about quality, not quantity. So number one, the first thought for today... Choose a translation you understand. Number two, pick a time and place and plan to study. Number three, understand the context. Context is king. Because we can all make our Bibles say what we want it to say. Is that right? Like I read you a scripture, didn't I, a few weeks ago. And it says, it says I think it's in Colossians, put your members to death. That's what it says. And sometimes... <laughs> Church, church leaders would like to do that, but that's not what it means. It, it put to death your fleshly desires. That's the context of it. So we can make our Bible say anything we want it to say. The definition of context, if you want to know, the parts of something written or spoken that immediately precede and follow a word or passage and clarify its meaning. So when you read your Bible, if you want to get a handle of the context, you've got to read the, the verses before, the verse you want to highlight or look at, and the verses after that to get the context, to get the true meaning of it. Do you understand? That's the thing we should do. Okay, so as we look at context, we're going to ask three questions. Who wrote it? 
Who was it written to? And what is its purpose? Now you think, well, Paul wrote to Philemon. He's the one who wrote Philemon. And you think, well, if I read this letter, it's the Bible, it's 2,000 years old. What am I going to get out of it? Will I understand it? Will it have something in there to, for me? Will it mean something to me? Okay, let's see this in the next few verses as we go through this. And what we're going to do, we're going to stick with the book of Philemon and just go through some of the things. So, who wrote it? Let's have a look at it. Paul, I love the way he addresses Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus. And Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. And to the church that meets in your home. So we can see who wrote it. Paul wrote it. He wrote it to Philemon. And we're going to have a look at the purpose. And I love this. Paul describes himself as a prisoner of Christ. And this is really important in this letter. Normally he would, he would address some of his, or start some of his letters, Paul, uh, an apostle of Christ. But he doesn't in this one. He doesn't introduce him as Paul, an apostle. He does, like he does in some of his letters, he's writing to a dear friend. So this is what we learn. Philemon was written by Paul, and Paul was in a Roman prison to a wealthy man named Philemon who led a church in his home. It was written about Onesimus. Everyone say Onesimus. Aren't you glad you didn't live in that day? And you had names like that. Some of the names I look at and I think, I'll just call, I'm just going to call them Joe or Bill or Harry. I'm sure that's okay. I'm not trying to change the word of God. You understand that, don't you? A run, look at that. It was written about Onesimus, a runaway slave who had stolen from Philemon. Okay, so Onesimus runs off to Rome. He lives in Colossae. That's Turkey. He runs away. Runs away. He's stolen something. Onesimus has stolen something from Philemon, and he runs away to Rome. Do you know how far Colossae is to Rome? Over 2,000 kilometers. I mean, I'd have just got, I mean for me, I'd have just gone, got an Uber and gone to the next town. There's no Uber. There's no mobile phones. He's a slave. He owns nothing. He is nothing. And he travels 2,000. How did he get there? Why is he going to Rome? What's he doing? Does he know Paul? I don't know. The Bible doesn't necessarily say that. And by God's grace, he meets Paul. And Paul leads him to Christ. Where's Paul? In prison. So how did he get to know that Paul was in prison? Did he get visiting rights? I've got no idea. He must have done. So what are the odds of Onesimus meeting Paul, who's in prison, traveling 2,000 miles, and then Paul leading him to Christ? Is that a coincidence, or is this a divine encounter? I think this is a divine encounter. I don't think this is coincidence. Why travel 2,000 miles? So to get the context, Paul writes the letter and he writes to Philemon. And then we come to the context or the purpose of this letter. Paul's purpose was to encourage Philemon to forgive Onesimus and accept him, not as a slave. If you were Philemon, how would you have felt as a brother in Christ? If you were Philemon, if you were Philemon, how would you have felt if you'd have received that letter from Paul? And he's going to ask, he's going to ask Philemon to forgive his slave. He's slave. He's probably got many slaves. This is pretty radical because if you research this, there were about 100,000 slaves 
out of a population of, of um, about a million people in Rome in the day. And slavery was accepted back then. It was the norm. And we know that slavery today goes on and it's not right, is it? It's really not right. And there are various forms of slavery, which we see in our news. And Paul knows that Philemon would probably have the right to discipline, harm Onesimus, or even kill him. Could punish him. A slave is a property of the owner, and he has no rights whatsoever. So if you studied the culture of the day, runaway slaves would sometimes be branded with the letters FVG. And it really means fugitive. That's what it means. So they could have been branded. And as we read these verses, we have to look and see if Paul is being sincere or trying to butter Philemon up to accept this request to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ. Let's have a look at verse 4 as we go through this. I always thank, this is now Paul writing to him, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. So they must be friends. There's this thing going on. I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a nice letter to receive. Verse 7 talks about his love. Your love has given me great joy. An encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Is Paul being sincere here? I'm a little skeptical. I don't know. Maybe he's buttering him up, ready to tell him something. Look at verse 8, though. This is why I believe Paul starts his letter, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. We know Paul is an apostle and he could use his apostolic authority to command Philemon to forgive Onesimus. But what does he do? Let's look, let's look at verse 9. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. You know, everything we do must be motivated by love. Even when we discipline our children. And when we're disciplined, it should be done in love, shouldn't it? Love is the goal. Love is why we're here. That I appeal to you. Look how he describes, how Paul describes Onesimus in verse 10. That I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Amazing. Divine encounter, coincidence. A slave, got nothing, got no money. Travels 2,000 kilometers to see a man in prison. And what does Paul do? First thing, let's lead this brother to Christ. And not say, hey, I've heard about you. You're a thief. I'm not going to trust you. No, he doesn't do that. Look at this. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Verse 16. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So here we can see the context. It's all about reconciliation and forgiveness. So, our first thought, choose a translation you understand. Pick a time and place and plan to study. Number two. Number three, understand the context. 
Number four, read slowly and ask questions. Let's ask questions of the text. When we read it, just say, Lord, look, we've got the Holy Spirit living within us. You don't have to try and understand the Bible in your, with your own intellect. The Bible clearly says that the Bible is, is um, spiritually discerned. The natural man can't understand it. It's foolishness to him. But when we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. That's part of his role is to help us understand. He said, I'll show you things to come. I'll teach you all things. He'll lead us and guide us. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit's job is also, when we read our Bibles, is to ask him questions. I don't understand this, Lord. What does that actually mean? And as you meditate on it, how many of you know how to, how many of you worry? Anybody? The rest of you, I don't know whether you're telling the truth or not. I'm really not sure. I think we all worry. That's meditating, isn't it? Maybe you're worrying about your job. We're, we're meditating about maybe I'm losing my job. That's meditation. We know how to do that well, don't we? Come on. When we worry about things, we overplay it. We overthink it. We let the devil in then with our toxic thoughts because we can have some toxic thoughts. Then we let the devil in and he will add to that story. And now you've written a book. They'll make a film out of it and everything else through your worry. It's true, isn't it? That's what we're meant to do with the word of God, to meditate on it. Rather read one verse and understand it than 50 and say, I've read 50 verses today, but did you understand it? Did, it, did you take it in? We've got to take it into our hearts. This is where it's got to come to. What did, what did David say? I've hidden your word right in our, the center of our being. That's where we believe and understand. That's where faith comes from. Not here, not just have mental assent. Knowledge is good, but knowledge, the Bible says, puffs up. Doesn't it? We need the ability to apply the knowledge that we have. That's wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that we have. And when we hear this stuff, we're meant to apply it in our lives, aren't we? Most of this, 70% is application. Got to apply this in our lives. Okay, read slowly, ask questions. There's two questions we should ask when studying our Bibles. What does this say about God? And what is God saying to me? What does this say about God? And what is God saying to me? Someone came up with these questions... Using this acrostic spec. Anyone heard of that? There's many of them. And what I'd like to do, can I have a couple of people, three or four people, just hand these out for me? Just little pointers of, of some of the things I've shared today. You can have a couple of people this side. That would be great. Just hand one out to as many people as you can. Can someone help me this side? Lovely. Thank you, Kelly. Just hand one out to as many as, many as you can. Or for a couple... One to every couple, if that's all right. And if you need any more, just let me know. It just gives the outline, the five points that I'm looking at, the five thoughts I'm looking at today. And this thing on the, on the reverse side, this, this spec thing. Is there a sin? The S. Is there a sin to be avoided? P. Is there a promise to be claimed? E. Is there an example to follow? C, is there a command to obey? These are the questions we need to be asking the text. And N, uh, K, is there something to know about God? Is there something to know about God? So we can ask these five questions whenever we've read a passage in our Bibles so that we can understand what we're reading.
So to recap, our five thoughts, find a translation you understand. We've covered that one. Number two, pick a time and place and plan to study. Number three, understand the context and get the context. Number four, read slowly. Ask questions of the text. Don't just think, I've got to, oh, I've got to read this, so I'll just read it quick. You know, Lord, I haven't got time, so... And then five, pray for God to speak to us and apply what we learn. So pray for God to speak to us and apply what we learn. Let's just pray. Thank you, Father, that as we go through this simple letter, the the smallest letter, the shortest letter that Paul wrote, And yet it can tell us so much about the love of God, the grace of God, the call of God on somebody's life to spot an opportunity to see someone who's, and he knows he's a slave. But Paul doesn't treat him as a slave. He leads him to Jesus and counts him as a brother. Gee, that's amazing. Paul doesn't look down on his doesn't look down on this man. He sees him as a man who needs Jesus. And Father, I pray as we think about what we've just heard this morning and look to apply it in our lives, help us to, to understand what it would mean for us. What is the theme? What is the context of what we've written read so far? about reconciliation it's about forgiveness Paul leads Onesimus to Christ he reconciled him to God and he's obviously forgiven Christ has forgiven Onesimus will Philemon forgive his slave so as we've read let's just close our eyes for a moment let's just Think about what we've heard. And as we unpack Philemon over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see some powerful truths that will relate to us in our lives today. So as we've read this powerful account of a slave who who the world might think as a nobody, yet in God is a son, You know, the Bible says that we were slaves to sin, held captive by the enemy, possibly a nobody in the world's eyes. Now we are sons and daughters in God's eyes. The context of these verses is reconciliation and forgiveness. We are free. You and I, those of us who have given us lives to Jesus, are free. We've been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus. We've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus and the power of Jesus, dying a cruel death on the cross for us. Christ has reconciled us and forgiven us. And you know, I sensed as I was praying about this first message, what did you want me to focus on, Lord? There's might be some here of us today that might need to forgive someone in their life or to be reconciled to a loved one or a friend 
Or maybe you need to forgive yourself. Because sometimes we can forgive others and not forgive ourselves. Friend, unforgiveness traps us. It binds us. It holds us captive, not the one we're meant to forgive. And as we start 2024, let's start it by forgiving those who may have hurt us. Let's think of people maybe that we're estranged from and and maybe reconcile with that person so that we can start a brand new year to like appealing to Philemon to forgive his slave and accept him as a brother to, to bring reconciliation that's the thought that, that came to me today that maybe this is something that we could do if we have anything against anybody, if we have unforgiveness in our hearts, we're the prisoner. We are bound. And God doesn't want us to be bound anymore. doesn't want us to be held, by, held captive by unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment, but wants reconciliation and forgiveness. You know, friend, we're here today We come to church for many reasons, to worship and fellowship together, to hear a message, to pray together, to encourage one another, to build one another up to fellowship. And part of my role as a pastor is to help us all to look deeply into our hearts, to see if there are things that aren't right, that don't sit right with God, so that our fellowship with God can't be broken. And our prayers can be hindered when we have unforgiveness towards others. They can be hindered. Because the Bible says, if you can't forgive, why, why should God forgive you? You know, he has forgiven us. That's why we should forgive others. Wow, such a power, forgiveness is such a powerful thing. And you know, when you forgive, when you reconcile, do you know the burdens just fall off you? You feel lighter, you feel, gee, I just feel free, I feel released. And in your moment right now, as your eyes are closed, just come before God and just, if there's anybody in your life, anyone that is distant from you, 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 you're not reconciled, you have unforgiveness towards, can you find it in your heart this morning? Even if you do that by faith and say, Lord, it's hard to forgive, Lord. And it's hard to forget. Well, you know, God has forgiven us. As far as the east is from the west, he's forgiven us our sins. He remembers them no more. So how much more should we forgive? And it's an action. It's an attitude of our heart. Sort of talking about heart issues now. Do you want to be set free? Do you want to feel released from this burden of unforgiveness? And friend, forgive, love. Let's just bring those people to mind before God this morning and say, Lord, I forgive them. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing.
In his darkest moment, he thought of others. Can we think about others in our darkest moments? You know, friend, maybe you're here today. You think you're here by accident. And you're here today. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Like this slave didn't know Jesus until Paul led him to Christ. I believe that's the greatest need for mankind is a relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're not sure, but you're here today and you'd want that relationship, or you're sitting there with your eyes closed, if I'm knocking, if God is knocking on the door of your heart, you have, the handle's on the inside. We have to open a, the handle of our heart, the, the door of our heart, and let Him come in. Would you be willing to do that today, friend? You, would you be willing to make Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you would, and I'm speaking to you today, just slip your hand up. Or no one's looking around. Just say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Anybody this morning? I need Jesus in my life. You know, maybe, friend, that you've, you're backslidden. You've been a churchgoer. And you've given up on the church. Maybe you've been offended by the church or somebody in the church or even the minister. And you've drifted from church, drifted from God, but you're here today. And you're here today and you, you're asking in your heart, Lord, could you give me a chance, another chance to serve you again? God will give you many, many chances. So if you've fallen away from God and you've drifted from God and you'd like to just come back to him today and say, Lord, here's my life. Just take me as I am. Is that you? Am I speaking to you today? If that's you, just put your hand up and say, that's me. I want to come back to God. I want to restore my relationship with him. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, and come back into my life again. And God's got his arms open wide, ready to just embrace you again. He's not going to judge you or condemn you. He's going to love you like Paul did to that slave. He loved him, showed him love, led him to Jesus, led him to life. And his life changed. Okay, let's believe we're all good with God. Let me pray. And... Um, Let's have some fellowship. There will be a prayer team here after the service. They'll have lanyards on. If you need prayer for anything, just come to one of those guys. No matter what it's about, just come and they'll pray confidentially with you. And please don't leave here if you have a burden in your heart or you're upset or there's stuff going on in your heart and you're even troubled by some of the things that I might have said. Or you feel a little convicted by the Holy Spirit that, Gee, you've been talking to me today and I need to put right. Just come and speak to someone about that and they'll pray with you and you can leave this place feeling better, feeling that burden is lifted from you. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for us and he rose again, seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for this time we've had together. I pray, Father, that as we go, that your angels would encamp around about us, keep us safe and free from harm until we can meet again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Great to see you again.